This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. My name is David. I, um, it's my pleasure to, to bring this morning's message. Um, lovely to see Wales there. Any other, any other people from Wales here in the, in the auditorium? Fantastic, yeah. Land of my father, literally, land of my father. That's, that's where I'm from. Well, you join us um, uh, as part of a series that we are running, looking at uh, the Beatitudes, what's called, sometimes called the Sermon on the Mount, um, as part of our Jesus Speaks series. And uh, I don't know about you, I've been really enjoying it. I thought I'd do a little bit of a, a recap if you missed the past uh, few weeks, a little bit of a recap, or if you were here, just to refresh your memory to get you up to speed. Bryony, the wonderful Bryony, kicked us off, kicked off the, the series, and uh, she really just looked at the whole of the, the sermon where Jesus is, is saying it's the, the greatest sermon ever preached. And she laid out that the these, uh, uh, the different verses, the, the content was basically introducing the gospel, the good news, uh, the great news of this new kingdom that was actually being established on the earth. And it was laying out what God really thinks about you. What is really of worth in this world? What is important uh, and also to live it out, to live it out, to not just have head knowledge, but to actually we're invited to welcome in, be part of this new kingdom with Jesus, the King of Kings at the head. Really exciting stuff. She, she said it was completely countercultural, just as it was then, as it is now. Goes completely against the grain of society. And she likened it to turning it upside down, our views upside down. But actually, it's turning it the right way up. Turning it all the right way up. Pete then followed the following week, and he was looking at uh, verses 3 and 5 of Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And he talked about living simply so that others can simply live. Yeah, that, that a fairness is part of this, this kingdom that we're invited to participate in. And um, I, I, lovely, he was saying, he was just rejoicing that the meek will inherit the earth. Not the power hungry, not the narcissists of this world. No, it's the meek will inherit the world and they will distribute things fairly. You know, there will be justice there will be fairness and justice in the kingdom to come. Um, he also talked about when you feel overlooked in perhaps the here and now, God hears. God hears you. He sees you. Dan, last week, brilliant preach. Dan, Dan's not here. I haven't seen today. Fantastic message from, from, from Dan. And he explored verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And he likened mourning to a sense of emptiness, because um, mourning can come in different guises. 
It's not just bereavement. We can mourn for many different things. A future that we perhaps feel was stolen from us. Yeah? A, a sense of loneliness. And he likened it to this sense of, of emptiness and that God is, is wanting and willing to fill that, giving us a peace that goes beyond all understanding, guarding our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Um, I came across a quote by Tom, Tom Wright, a, a Bible scholar, and he kind of summed up the Beatitudes a little bit like this. When God wants to sort out the world, as the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount make clear, he doesn't send in the tanks. He sends in the meek, the broken, the justice-hungry, the peacemakers, the pure-hearted, and dramatic pause. The subject for this morning's message, which is Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I, I volunteer at, at one of the community groceries, and one particular week we had a, a glut of um, uh, salad, Marks and Spencer's salad. I hate this to add. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. We get all the good stuff. Marks and Spencer's bag salad, and it was on its use-by date. And we had loads of it. We had loads to distribute. It was absolutely fantastic. So I was on a mission. We needed to clear the, the fridge. Whoever came in, they were kind of going to get salad, whether they liked it or, or not, yeah? And um, I saw this young, young woman at the checkout, could see she hadn't got any salad in her, in her bag. So I bounded over with enthusiasm. And you know when your, your mouth is working, but your brain isn't in gear, yeah? I, I, I get that on quite regular occasions. And I found myself saying, you look, you, you look like you need more salad in your life, okay? What's wrong with that? No, there's a lot wrong with that, okay? Immediately, she looked at me and she went, are you saying I need to lose weight? My brain then re-engaged. It was then in gear and I felt it shouting, reverse, reverse, okay? And I kind of fumbled an apology, pretended somebody needed me in the back office, made a hasty exit and did what any, you know, man in his 50s would do. I hid behind the door <laughs> with an expression like that waiting for her to leave leave the grocery people it's a simple example but we all need mercy <laughs> we all need mercy I, I need it on a regular basis um, mercy is it's the deepest part of God's heart the deepest part of God's heart you will find mercy there magnificently, perfectly represented by Jesus. His life, his death, and his resurrection. Perfect example of God's mercy. Thank goodness. Harry Hagen, another Bible scholar, um, talks about mercy flows like a great river through the Old Testament and into the new where it breaks its banks. 
It flows like a mighty river through the Old Testament and into the New where it breaks its banks. You look at the New Testament, you read the stories, the situations there, and they are soaked in God's mercy. Demonstrating God's mercy is why Jesus came. The compassion he showed time and time again. When people asked for it, it was immediately given. Even when it wasn't asked for, mercy was given. Mercy can be explored in different ways, and I could have taken this morning's message in a number of different directions. Compassion, it means compassion, active compassion. Many other aspects of mercy, but I particularly wanted to focus on mercy expressed as forgiveness. Mercy as forgiveness. How is mercy an expression of forgiveness? Well, God's offer of mercy means we don't get what we deserve. God's offer of mercy means we don't get what we deserve. Mercy is often put with grace. We mention grace and mercy. And I have to be honest, in my mind, they kind of get jumbled up together. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Getting what we don't deserve. But mercy is where you get, we don't get what we deserve. Yeah, that's mercy. Those grace and mercy, they're they're two sides of the same coin. And that coin is called love. Yeah, that's the currency that that God deals in. Romans 3.23 says, For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all mess up. We all sin. And we see the consequences of that. Some people are more visibly broken than others. But friends, we are all broken to some degree. Sin, Bryony, um, a few weeks back, was talking about sin and, and she said it was, it's a relational issue. Sin is a relational issue. That's why it's so important. It means going our way rather than the loving Heavenly Father's way who wants the best for you and me. It's that pride. It's, it's no, no, I'm going my own way. And the, there are consequences to that for ourselves, for our community, for our world. You only have to turn on the TV set and look at the news to see the consequences. God hates sin because it destroys relationships. But because he's loving He is also the judge and has to punish sin. And sometimes we can think, well, hang on a minute. Has God got a dark side as well as a light side? Does he get up the wrong side of the the bed one morning and, oh, hang on, we're on the wrong side of God just because it's a whim, that's part of his character? No, that is not God's character. God's character is love. Yeah, God is love. And yet, because he is love, he hates sin. For instance, he hates abuse. Yeah, that is part of his love. Because he is loving, he hates sin. Yeah, because he is love. Psalm 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. Even when he gets angry, 
It's to bring us back into relationship. The, Israel, the mighty river of God's mercy in the Old Testament is always pointing towards his, uh, Jesus' arrival. It's always pointing towards the main event, Jesus coming. The Israelite nation were instructed to, to construct a box which contained, amongst other things, the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments written on them called the Ark of the Covenant. Anyone thinking of Indiana Jones? Yeah? And, um, uh, and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, that sort of Ark, okay? And the lid, the cover, was called the Atonement Cover. But its more common usage was called the Mercy Seat. The Mercy Seat. Covering the law was the Mercy Seat. Do you know, people, I, I'm, I'm pleased God sits on a throne of mercy, Every, every year, uh, the high priest would go in to the holy, holy, holy of Holies, the inner part of the temple, and would sacrifice a, a lamb without blemish. And he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat for himself and for the whole uh, nation. That was a symbol. That was a symbol for what Jesus was coming to do. He was the perfect lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice. His sacrificial death was a once and for all event. For all time. For all people. He did it. His blood covers that mercy seat. God doesn't see the law and our transgressions. He sees mercy expressed through Jesus. Even on the, on the cross, Jesus forgave the ones who tortured and crucified him, showing mercy and even forgiving the criminal on his side who was repentant and wanted to see the mercy. He shared mercy with his, with his last few breaths. Friends, that's mercy. That's the God who wants to have relationship. In researching for this message, I, I tried to summarise what I'd found out. And I, the best I could come up with was this. God's mercy is both wonderful and shocking. Jesus' ability to forgive and lead us along the path of his grace is astonishing. What do we do with that? Well, we can receive that mercy. We can receive that mercy why wouldn't we? What stops us? It might be, well, just ignorance. We, we, we don't know about Jesus and what he's done. It can be pride. It can be fear of giving up control. I identify with that. I remember identifying with that. But maybe we're feeling we're not worthy. You don't know what I've done, David. But let me tell you, Jesus does. And he extends his mercy to you as well. His mercy is greater than our sin. We are all broken. I once heard a preacher say, God's forte is making broken things new. We just need to give him all the pieces. Our God is a God of mercy. There'll be an opportunity. If you're feeling that pull and, and, and um, Pete 
mentioned it, maybe you're feeling God's call. There's an opportunity for you to accept that mercy a little bit later on. But then what about showing God's mercy? It's what this verse also talks about. Friends, this is a real challenge. Showing mercy, this is a real challenge. C.S. Lewis said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a great principle until they need to forgive. (laughs) And it's true, isn't it? The pain is real. The hurt to you or a loved one is real. But God sees that. He feels that. He weeps with you. He stands in support with you. He's the good heavenly father. Jesus knows what it's like to be hurt, to be abused, to be abandoned, to be bereaved and be lied about. But Jesus' response is clear and challenging. Show mercy. It's challenging, but show mercy. In Matthew 5, there are several and 6, there are several examples. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. The Lord's Prayer, love, forgive us our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Challenging stuff. When, when a, an expert in the law, a Pharisee, asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's a challenge. Yes, the neighbor can be our friend. It can be our literal neighbor. It, but it's every person we pass in the street. It's the person who's really hurt us or hurt ours. Loving our neighbor as ourself. Do I love myself? Do you love yourself? Because that's how we're meant to love our neighbor. Do you know what? I can say yes, I do love myself. Not because of pride or, or whatever, being full of myself. It's because Jesus loves me. And if Jesus loves me, it's okay for me to love me. However, it doesn't mean I always like myself. Because I sin. And it's because I love myself that I hate the sin that I do. Does that make sense? And I think that's the way we can, we can apply that to our neighbour. We need to love that person as, as God loves them, as Jesus loves them. But that doesn't mean we approve or we like what they've done. God hates that, yeah? He hates that. Love the sinner, not the sin. But we're not alone in doing that. His grace and his strength will allow us to do it. Just to illustrate, just shortly, I want to tell a story that I came across. And it's a a police officer in in the States called Ike Brown. Uh, He's a a police officer in Jacksonville. He was, or at least was, in Florida for 38 years. His mother was a believer. He was a believer when he was young. He got baptised. And in his own words, he said, I, I called to Jesus when I was in trouble. But when I wasn't in trouble, 
I didn't really call on him. We didn't really have a relationship. Been married twice, had five children, eldest of which was called Ike Jr. They tend to do that in the States, don't they? Ike Jr., Ike Sr. He was 21 years old, loved his basketball, not the biggest guy, but he was just loving to his family and friends. He was a class joker. May 27th, 2002, four o'clock in the morning, Ike Senior, the father, getting ready to start his shift at home. Doorbell rings, and he finds on his porch all his supervisors from the precinct. And strangely, he didn't think much of it, but then he noticed the precinct chaplain there with them. The previous evening, his son, Ike Jr., had gone to a, with his best friend to another friend's house to play video games. Three of them having a great time. Another person called Takoya Kreiner, an acquaintance, had also come to the house. They didn't know, but he'd just gone to drink and to take drugs. And later on that evening, inexplicably, Takoya Kreiner pulled out a pistol and shot repeatedly all the friends. Ike Jr. and his best friend were killed. The other friend was severely wounded. The police said it was just a a case if he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. There was no motive. Ike Sr. was stunned. I meant to go before my children. They had the funeral and because the wheels of justice uh, turned slowly. It was three years later before they held the trial. And Ike always felt, if anyone hurts me or mine, I will hurt them. And he felt his emotions were justified. God has given me these emotions, so I'm right to feel like that. The pain was real. So it's three years later when he walked into the courtroom to see his son's killer for the very first time, face to face. And I want to tell you uh, in his own words what, what he said. Let me tell you, the moment I set eyes on Takoya, I loved him. I couldn't and I can't explain it. Never hated him. Never had those feelings I thought I was going to have. The moment I looked at him, He looked like my boy, just bigger. I questioned God, but I questioned him about me. What was wrong with me? Why do I feel like this? I'm his father. I'm supposed to be angry for what he'd done to my son, but I wanted to hug him. Something was happening inside of me that I hadn't been even aware of, and it was without doubt God. Takoya was sentenced to life in prison, but I continued to be mindful of him and prayed for him. A couple of years passed, and he wrote a letter to Takoya, and then he screwed it up and threw, threw it away. Following year, he wrote a letter, screwed it up, threw it away. Three years later, he wrote another letter, and he was concerned, how is he going to receive this? But he wrote it anyway. He, he said he was praying for him. He said, I hope things are as good as they can be because he knew it would be tough in the prison.
But he finished off the letter with this. He says, I've got a favour to ask you. I really miss my son, Ike Jr. And I wonder if you would fill in for him until we all get to heaven. And he sealed it up and he posted it before, in his words, he chickened out. Three weeks later, he received a letter back and he was out, took it out in his patrol car. He was working and it was sat on his passenger seat all morning. And then he pulled over and he opened the letter and all these emotions were bubbling up. What, what, what if he doesn't want anything to know about me? What, what if he's just going to curse me out? He opened the letter and this is what it said. Dear Mr. Brown, I now know that God is real. I told God that if you meant what you'd said and you forgave me and you really loved me, I told him I wanted to hear from you. And I told God that if I heard from you, I'd give my life to you. Ike started crying, but they were tears of joy. At the end of the letter, Takoya said, Mr. Brown, you asked me for a favour to fill in for your son, Ike Jr. I don't feel qualified, but if you'll have me from this point forward, you're my dad and I'm your son. In 2009, Ike officially adopted Takoya as his son. God's mercy is both wonderful and shocking. Jesus' ability to forgive us and lead us along the path of his grace is astonishing. The mercy seat, where is it now? Indiana Jones hasn't found it. Nobody knows it's been missed in the, in the mists of history. But I believe from doing my research for this message this morning, I believe I know where it is. And you're sat on it. You're in a place to receive his mercy. You're in a place where you're invited to extend mercy through the power and grace of Jesus. Does God's mercy extend to you, to me? Can you extend mercy to those that have hurt you? If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at LifeLanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our neighbours, our nation and the nations with the good news about Jesus.